Oh, now I'm now I'm real hot. Now I'm really nervous. I don't like to hear myself. I come back here, um, and so but but I really enjoyed hearing the fact that Floyd a couple weeks ago was nervous, and I thought, you know, after 40 years of preaching, if you still get, I'm okay to be a little nervous, yeah, because he he is the man. Hey, this morning I'm doing a little prognosticating. We like that word, prognosticate. I like big words. Floyd's inspiring me. I know who's going to win the election Tuesday, November 6th. The prognosticator has spoken, and the one who will win the election, contrary to what most people believe, is not the one with the most votes. See, that's always the joke, right? I know who's going to win. The one with the most points at the end of the game. No. This time, the winner of the election is actually the same as it's been every election in time past. The winner is Jesus. And those who vote for Jesus. Is that, that's okay to get excited. You can clap. A courtesy clap. But it's, it's true. That's who's going to win the election this year, is those who vote for Jesus. And don't get me wrong, this is a serious election, I think, in our time in the United States. We've been slipping down the slippery slope for a lot of years now. Floyd was talking about that a few weeks ago, and we are gaining speed every year. It's, it's kind of like the guy who jumped out of the plane at 23 miles up. You know, we, we thought that there was a, you know, a terminal velocity. We had that conversation that, you know, by the time he, he, he reached his highest speed, he was going over 700 miles per hour. And, and it starts getting faster and faster. And that's what's happening. I feel like our moral decline is getting faster and faster. But as, as dual citizens, you know, each of us in here has dual citizenship. We can elect a man who will steepen the slope, make it steeper, or even decrease the decline in this immoral, anti-God, anti-life hill that we're presently speeding down. And, and I think we should vote and vote your morals. But today's not about the election. Today's not about voting, but I believe that we all should vote, and we should vote morals. Vote, vote what we believe according to the Bible. But regardless of who wins what I'm calling now the People's Choice Award, <laughs> that's all it feels like, the People's Choice Award, who people like. It's, it, it, it's amazing that people can say that they're not happy with the economy, they're not happy with Obama doing certain things, yet they want him to be president again. And, and I'm not, it's just like it's becoming a, just a popularity contest or something. And whoever wins this People's Choice Award, whether it's Romney or Obama or a right, it wouldn't it be great to have a right in somebody else and actually just turn the thing upside down? Whoever wins doesn't matter because he's not in control. That person is not in control. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. You know, people like to think that they're in control. But God is ultimately the one in control. And you see, although we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. Our home is not of this world. We are strangers and aliens here, and although the economy of this land, it really does affect us. We live in a kingdom whose economy is above this land. Amen? 
Although the Bible itself says that we are supposed to obey the laws of the land, we're supposed to honor the king, we're supposed to render under Caesar's what is Caesar's, we have a law that supersedes even those commandments, and that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Those laws supersede the laws of the land and even honoring and rendering unto the king. We live in another kingdom. God is first. He is preeminent. And we are citizens of the kingdom of God before we're citizens of this world. And that's why those who vote for Jesus on Tuesday, November 6th, are the ones who win. The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? I was looking and there's 65 verses in the New Testament that actually say the kingdom of God. Jesus taught a lot about the kingdom of God. But the entirety of the Bible is describing what the kingdom of God is, what it looks like, how to enter it. And, and one important thing we must understand it is that at least as much as possible is that the kingdom of God is now, but it's not yet. Floyd talked about that just a little bit a few weeks ago where I wanted to talk more and expound on that. The kingdom of God is now. It is here, but it's not yet. The moment that you put your faith in Jesus, the moment that you asked him to be your Lord and you trusted in him to be your savior, a lot of things happened. And one was that you were saved. In that very moment, you were saved. You were translated from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of light in that second. There was nothing more in your salvation. Yet the Bible says that although you were saved, you are still being saved. We were saved in a moment, but still to this day, we're being saved. It's an ongoing work. And the kingdom of God is a similar, similar picture. The moment that you were saved, we inherited the kingdom of God. Unless a man is born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. We inherited the kingdom of God. We became part of this other kingdom that's, that's at work and in this world that we live in. We became citizens, which is here and now. But yet that kingdom is not fully here and now. It's not yet. There's the fulfillment of the kingdom of God that awaits us that final day when we inherit at the end of times after Satan has been cast into the lake of fire, after the great tribulation, when God wipes away every tear, then the kingdom of God will be complete. And until this life, until then, in this life, the Bible says what? You will have tribulation. So we're in the kingdom of God, but the fullness of the kingdom of God is still awaiting us. But we're not those who just believe that the kingdom of God is just there. We need to understand that we are part of a kingdom that's not of this world, that is supernatural, and it's the kingdom of God. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Not I will overcome the world. That's one of the scriptures we need to think about. He didn't say... Someday I will overcome the world. I have overcome the world. We're living in the principle of the kingdom of God today because the kingdom is now, but not yet. We don't serve a God that came to earth and created all things, then left to go to some corner of the universe and let us figure out everything on our own. He didn't just go off and, and say, you know, now you're on your own. I've, I've started things and I've created some nice place for you to live. That, that belief is called deism. And that's that, that God, is a, there is a creator, and, and it's not all Christian, the Christian God, but a God created everything and set everything in motion. But then he stands back and lets nature and nature's course 
take over. And whatever happens, happens. That's not the God that we serve. That's not the belief system that we hold to. We know that God is involved in this world. He is not a God of deism. He is transcendent God, superior, great, unequaled creator. But he is also imminent. There's a term that's thrown around in a lot of books, and it's the transcendent and imminent God. Transcendent is that superior, all-powerful, unequaled. That's what transcendent means. But then he's also imminent, and that means really internal. He's, he's part of this structure. You can't separate him out from his creation because he's part of us, and he lives in and through us. So he is not just the transcendent, away, powerful God, but he's imminent. He's a close part of his creation. He's involved. And when Jesus sent his disciples into the world, they came back marveling that even the demons were subject to them. Do you remember? He sent them out and they go, wow, even the demons are subject. He says, don't rejoice that demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But the supernatural, we talked last week about Jesus is, is, is of the supernatural. He's a, a, the, the spiritual worldview. That the, the demonic realm is the supernatural, and yet the disciples had power over a supernatural world. That is because they were part of the kingdom of God, not part of the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of God is manifest among us. Jesus ascended unto heaven. The Bible says that he gave, he gave gifts to men. That was the kingdom of God. When he sent us the Holy Spirit to indwell in us, to empower us, not only to, to live victoriously, but to walk in the power of the Spirit, that is the kingdom of God. We're not of this kingdom, church. We're not of this kingdom on this, on this great big blue ball that we're sitting on. We're part of the kingdom of God. And even though the Bible says, and I think of this so often, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me, all you King James people. That's hard not to get that one in King James, no matter how young you are. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God is with us. He is imminent. And that means that we are part of the kingdom of God because we're walking not just as the world walks. We're walking in God. John says, I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That is the kingdom of God at work here on this earth. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the risen, omnipotent Christ dwells in you. That should bring a smile to somebody's face. The I'll say it again. The risen, omnipotent Christ dwells in you. That's an amen. Wow. That, I mean, that's just, just a wow. <laughs> should we let it sit? Okay. Should we just let it sit for a second? I mean, it's powerful. I don't walk like I, I don't walk like I believe that. Not all the time. The risen, omnipotent Christ. I'm going to say it like this: dwells in me. He dwells in me. He dwells in me, bringing me the kingdom of God to crash into the dominion of darkness through the saints of God who are made in the image of Christ, who bear His image, who are indwelt with God. That's just enough to sit down and just sit and think. 
and ponder. Image of God, people. Almighty, omnipotent God dwells us. In the kingdom of God, because we're part of the kingdom of God, we crash every day into the dominion of darkness. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Who wins the election? Jesus. And the saints that call on his name. It doesn't matter what happens on November 6th. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Can we say that? We can sing it, but we, can we really mean it? Where's your hope? Where's my hope? Where's my stability? God's been, God has been dealing with me over the last few weeks because I've, I've put my stability in, in, in the economy and in the job market and, and what's happening in, in the elections. But my hope should be in Christ alone. He is our Redeemer and our hope should be on His redeeming power of the blood of Christ and His righteousness. His redemption, His power, His blood living in me, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And you know, as, as Christ is in us, the hope of glory is living in us. That means that we are walking hope. You're walking hope. Hope for the world. Now, if you're, if you're, if you're like me, then, then again, that's meddling with you because you picture the last time you walked into Dollar Tree. Did you walk in there as walking hope? Last time you walked into the, to the bank to, to, to put some money in so you didn't bounce a check, were you walking hope? It doesn't matter our circumstances. The hope of glory lives inside of us. That means wherever we go, we are walking hope to the world. The kingdom of God in you, in me, and we have this treasure in jars of clay. This amazing, omnipotent power, grace for all, hope of the world, living in these frail jars of clay. God chose in His sovereignty, and I had a hard time. I'm, when I wrote this this morning, and I'm, I'm reading a lot, I wrote this, God, I just I started writing this morning, and I usually don't write my sermons. I wanted, I was tempted to put His foolishness, God chose in His foolishness, because I, he chose to live in me and to put his treasures inside of me. But that wasn't foolishness, even though I think it is. It's his sovereignty. It's his wisdom. His wisdom saw that inside of us should dwell this incredible power and awesome hope. The blessed hope of the world. His mercy. His grace. These treasures should be in us. Fallible. Weak jars of clay. Why does the scripture say? So that his all-surpassing glory will be of him and not of us. We're carriers of his hope, of his mercy, of his grace, of his love. Everywhere we go in this frail human body. Because we are part of not the kingdom of the world, but because we're part of a kingdom of God here on earth. And I am amazed by it. The song we sang today, Lord, I'm amazed by you. The worship was amazing this morning. The words that were coming out. Are you, are you hearing all the ties in of what God is speaking to us this morning? You know, the, you know every once in a while I, I go, wow, God, I heard from you. 
God is weaving something together and we're, I, we need to be amazed at all of these things happening. This all-surpassing power lives inside of you and inside of me because we live as part of the kingdom of God here and now. His power is living in you so that you might walk as an overcomer. The kingdom of God and His power is living inside of you so that you might walk as an overcomer, more than a conqueror, that you would have the power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, and that you too would have the words of life because Christ lives in you. Inside of us, the power to heal. I'm amazed. But we live in the kingdom of God, not of this world. The thing is, is we are dual citizens. We are dual citizens. My daughter Madeline is a dual citizen. Until she's 18 years old, she can be a citizen of this country or of Guatemala. At the age of 18, because of the laws, the current laws, she cannot be a dual citizen and she will have to choose which one she wants to be a part of. She could choose to be a Guatemalan citizen and get rid, get rid of her United States citizenship. But right now, she's a dual citizen and she could choose to live either place. That's our problem, is we can choose whether we live in the kingdom of God or we live in the kingdom of the world. And church, most of the time, we're living in the kingdom of the world. We have to understand that we can and should be living in the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's like we have, have uh, foreign soil everywhere we go. We have the kingdom of heaven's soil. And, and it's a silly movie, but if you saw Pirates of the Caribbean, he had a jar of dirt. And, and it, you know, he had, wherever he went, he had that jar of dirt, which meant he was safe from, you know, safe from Davy Jones. But, but, but it's like that no matter where we go, we have the kingdom of heaven with us. We can walk into the darkest, dreariest, demonically possessed place, but we walk in with the kingdom of God. And we can choose to stand on the kingdom of God's soil and act as part of the kingdom of God, or we can act as part of the kingdom of the world. And it's amazing. But that's one of the reasons we can describe what happens in a Christian's life. We don't always choose to act and walk in the kingdom of God. Someday, there will be no more choice. We'll be forever. There will be no temptation from Satan. We'll be forever in heaven. And that's when the kingdom of God will be fulfilled in our life. But until then, the kingdom is now, but not yet. Anytime God can work a miracle through you, through me, do we realize that miracles live inside of us? I want to see them come out. They're just, they're hanging around in there somewhere. And I want to get them out. Connecting with Him, understanding walk, about walking in the kingdom of God, beginning to hear His voice. And, I, and, I, and it's just that, I believe it's just that when we begin to walk in the kingdom of God and hear His voice more, and bam, out will come the miracle. Out will come a prophetic word. Out will come laying hands on the sick and watching somebody recover. When we pray, we can't just be saying words. That's... I think sometimes my prayers, I feel like they fall short and I'm just saying the words. But understanding that, that these words are uttered to Almighty